This week, I learn the ways of the samurai. And I try to explain how the only thing missing is just a little bit of hip-hop. And I'm Garrett, and we watch anime. This is a great, highly anticipated episode for me, Garrett, because for me, this was one of the anime that really got me excited about where this anime medium could be taken, okay. um, especially with how artistic and how un- unabashedly Japanese it is. However, what I was noticing when I was re-watching it this week was the idea that for you, someone who's trying it new, doesn't have the experience with Japanese history, probably doesn't have as much of the tropes that I'm used to, that it might be something to get lost in the ether. So this might be the first time in the course of this podcast in which our views on it stretch very differently, which I'm really excited to hear about. What do you, so um, to start, what did you think about the, epi- uh, the show that we talked about this week, which is uh, Samurai Shampoo? Samurai Shampoo. It was... It was awesome. And you're, so last week we spoke about the Prince of Tennis sports anime, pretty superficial stuff, very formulaic, mm-hmm. serves a purpose, not, doesn't really scratch the surface of the human condition. Right. Uh, this week we talked Samurai Shampoo, and there are a lot of themes going on at the mm-hmm. same time. It's there dead. are yeah. personal journeys, there's friendships, there's loyalties, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's really a lot of depth. Uh, mm-hmm. In the beginning, I was kind of thrown for a loop. Um, they really play with time. So it's set in like the Edo period of, yes. of Japan. Yes, uh, I'll, I'll get into more of that stuff later as we go. So, but there yeah. are certainly things that like don't like belong there. And I was... I, the entire time I'm thinking, what is the word to describe something like this? And then one of the lead female says, why are you being so anachronistic? Yeah. And I'm like, that's the word. That's a GRE word that we're going to be using a lot. So whenever, when you out there listen to the word anachronistic or an anachronism, it means something taken out of time. I know right. this because I took the GREs and that was one of the words I had to learn. So uh, when, when I looked it up, it said most commonly when you're watching something, it is an item placed out of time. Right, For right. example, if you're watching something about samurai and someone pulls out a cell phone, that's not what happened here. Right. But that would be anachronistic. Right, exactly. And I would say that it's, it's, it's a reimagination of Edo, the Edo period, without actually making it ridiculous, right? right. So um, to start, um, for those who are uh, listening out there, I'll give you a brief explanation about the uh, anime of Samurai Champloo. Uh So Samurai Champloo for me, because I think it's just as important this week that I talk about my journey with this one, because you got to watch it in the comfort of your home, off of a streaming site that you got yeah. to appreciate and enjoy and watch at your leisure. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your boy Garrett had to be a little bit of a pirate when he first watched this. Uh, <laughs> I remember full speed, just so you kind of get also a little more context, that I was introduced to the idea of Samurai Shampoo, not because of Adult Swim like most people would, but because the uh, artistic director was the same one who did the anime set piece for Kill Bill. And I remember Kill Bill was one of those movies like Reservoir Dogs, like that every college student circa early to mid 2000s had to watch. And there was a scene uh, where they explained the history of Oda and Ishii, which is the character that Lucy Liu plays in Kill Bill. And because it was so violent, they had to change it to an anime to mm. do it. That and softened remember, it. 
Exactly. It, and also they did a lot of other things to make it so they didn't get the NC-17 rating, like the part that's really violent, they make black and white so you don't see as much blood. Mm. Those kind of tricks were used so that it wouldn't get an NC-17 rating. But I remember being struck by how beautiful the art was. And my buddy, uh, who's sitting next to me, watch the movie, goes, you think that's good? Apparently they're writing an anime. The same people who did this is going to be doing Samurai Shampoo. And I had to watch because it was just cool. It was slick. The art was very, like you could see there's like distortions. Like it's very well drawn and everything and i remember i had to go on your lime wires and your dc plus pluses to get it but i did it and i had to do it when the episodes came out because i watched it right as they were coming out mm -hmm. so yeah, it came out in 04 so you were you were in college the starting college up yep absolutely so for me it was um a lot of making sure that i got it as it came in it was yep. really cool things for me to watch but once again, I don't want my expectations and my feelings of this property to, 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 to phase you. So for those who haven't watched Shamari Shampoo, what's the show about? What are some of the key characters? Let us know what you experienced your first time watching this show. Right. And so I'll get into the summary a little bit, but one more thing about the history. And I just found this out uh, earlier this weekend as I was reading up. Uh, leading into the podcast after I'd watched my six episodes. I think the artistic director you're talking about is uh, Shinchiro Watanabe. Wow. I'm, you know, Garrett, you're, you're going into weave territory. You're learning about art directors. You're learning he, about... He, this was his first anime since he did Cowboy Bebop. Mm, yep, that's right. So, I, heard, I heard that he was the same. So you're like, guy. you're like stirring a big old stew of things that Garrett likes. Right. You're like, yeah. If you noticed, the main characters all have huge japanified afros so <laughs> yeah, that looks familiar <laughs> yeah like spike looks a lot like mugen in this character but uh yeah i i forgot that this was a cowboy bebop director piece so right um so the show kicks off with uh this cafe right mm -hmm. and this character foo she's a 15 year old girl she's a waitress in this cafe and she's sort of getting bullied uh by the local governor's son and his gang of losers essentially right and you know they're of course, they're someone above them, like their father's in charge. So they're they're pushing around. They're getting food. They're getting gropey with the girls in the cafe. And this guy Mugen comes in, and he says, "Do you want me to take care of him? All you got to do is feed me a certain amount." Uh, kind of gives you that drifter vibe, right? And she agrees to it, and he kicks the living crap out of everyone. Actually, ends up cutting off the governor's son's arm. Right. right. Now, at the same time, across town, there is another character, one of the other protagonists, because this show, uh, at least from the first six episodes, focuses on a trio of people. So Fu, the 15-year-old girl, yeah. Mugen, who's uh, sort of this, like, vagrant yeah. uh, swordsman who's very wild and unpolished, is right. the polite way of saying it. Well, across town is there's this character named Jin, He's uh, this uh, ronin, this sort of samurai without, like, uh, a master, right? Mm -hmm. He's over there killing the governor's bodyguards at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. So bad day for the crime and corruption syndicate in, in whatever time. <laughs> uh, and so essentially the restaurant, eventually the restaurant she's in burns down. So that yeah. goes really poorly. Yeah. Um, and these two characters the two fighters are introduced to one another, Mugen and Jin. Yeah. And immediately they want to fight because they have pride and they just want to 
be the best swordsman and be the best fighter and take one another out. But Fu gets them to agree. I don't remember how she does this, but gets them to agree they can't kill each other until they help her find the samurai who smells like sunflowers. Yeah. So that's sort of the opening set piece before we go on an adventure. Right. And it's a good, it's a good uh, like buddy journey uh, comedy drama that I think does really well to break kind of like the the period piece, but Mm -hmm. also adds like these little hip hop flares, which I really appreciated. Um, So yeah. So just to kind of clarify the, the, the characters were kind of bestowed to Fu because she saved them from uh, getting executed. So that's right. She breaks them out of jail. She breaks them out of jail. So they're kind of now, uh, but then at some point they're like in one of the uh, things that she like, they like talk to each other and say bye bye, and they split and they go full speed in the opposite directions. I thought that was hysterical. Like the journey ends here. <laughs> I I also forgot that when she's trying to break them out, they show her running and literally her breasts are like flopping. And I thought, oh <laughs> yeah. my god, episode one fan service. This is a little premature, but it was actually grenades stuffed in her robe that she uses to distract the soldiers so that they can get away. Like, I know they didn't have, didn't have bras in Edo period Japan, but, like, they couldn't be that floppy as part of the thing. Yeah, no, they were... They were, they were Everyone just used an so. ace bandage. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the equivalent was. Yeah. So, that's a, that's a really good synopsis. It's, it's essentially the misadventures of... It's kind of like Cowboy Bebop. It's the misadventures of these three vagrants who are going around looking for this one goal, but at the end of doing it, they right. still got to make money. They still got to, like, feed themselves. Half of their episodes are, like, how are we going to make enough money to get to the next place we need to go? Right. And they do it either through like a, an eating competition in one episode. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they, uh, they split off and do different things. One becomes a model. The other one plays uh, plays shogi with another character. And like they somehow always end up together. So no matter how hard they try, they end up uh, with each other back together. So like they're, they're, they right. try to, as much as they try to shoot themselves back out, they always come back together. So you know what they kind of remind me of, and you're going to have to help me with one of the characters names. Sure. Uh, there's, there's no romance. Here. Yeah. First of all, Fu is 15 and the other two are like 19 and 20. But it kind of reminded me, she reminded me of Kate Freckles from Lost. Oh, yeah. Sort of yeah. that character that always gets in trouble. Mugen is Sawyer. <laughs> and then, Freckles. Jin, I guess Jin, if Jin was an alcoholic neurosurgeon who cut open a dude's spine, he could be uh, Matthew Fox's character. Right? Yeah. What was his name Jack. again? Jack. Jack. Yeah. I, I think so. And I think it's also what's really cool is thematically, like they're always shown as dichotomies of each other, although they're kind of the same person. So I'm very impressed with you because I thought I had to explain like things like what a Ronin is, what a Daimyo is, like what the kind well, of- do that, do that for the people. No, I only know because now that you've got me sort of immersing myself in this world, right. I'm, I'm trying to keep my knowledge superficial so as not to ruin the experiment, right. but I'm also doing tiny, bit of research so that I can sort of speak about it more eloquently. So get into Ronin, because basically, what is the difference between Mugen being a vagrant swordsman Mm -hmm. and Jin being a Ronin? (laughs) So gather around, kids. I'm going to tell you a nice little story about Edo period Japan, which lasted from 1600 to 1860s. So uh, what is crazy about Japan is that its history is much longer than ours. So they have periods, much like Van Gogh's life, they have periods. But uh, it was the beginning of different um, 
they usually marked by different emperor families taking over the, the emperorship. And this one was the Tokugawa family. In this case, it started with Tokugawa Ieyasu, which I'm probably butchering myself because it's a lot of like, it's about, it's basically me trying to say all the vowels at once. Like, uh, five, and five points stuff. for effort. Yeah. Ieyasu. I'm going to write it when we do post, but Ieyasu. And him, he basically marked this, uh, this period by several factors. One is that they closed off the country. Um, and that means that no, save for a very specific people, which we'll talk about in, by episode six, no other foreigner was allowed in the country. The second thing that he marked, especially much later in, is that he, people were not allowed to wear swords in public. So that was kind of like, kind of started the process of bringing back the samurai ship. Um, it also concentrated power. So there's a lot less power in feudal lords or the daimyos as they're called. Um, and then this led to, weirdly enough, a lot of economic prosperity. So a lot of times there was a lot more interest in, in art. So art exploded at that time. So Deep you mean by, by not allowing people to run around crazy like a thousand independent states, right. they found a sense of unity and economic prosperity that's insane. That's correct. And a lot of them, because they weren't killing each other, were allowed leisure time. So that's why all the great stuff that we appreciate about Japan, the, the nature aesthetic, the, all the art pieces that we consider uh, you know, to be traditional that stuff mm -hmm. came out of this period because a lot of people had more time on their hands. They were allowed more to focus on, on it. Right. And then they, a lot of times were like, huh, did you notice how pretty cherry blossoms are? I think I might draw about this. This past week, I don't know if it came from the Edo period, but I literally watched like six hours on YouTube on Japanese carving. Oh, like, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, it was such a prosperous time that there was a lot of economic, uh, you know, stability. There was a lot of, um, uh, you know, they close the country, but there's still a specific trade they could do. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more leisure time. And it lasted all the way up until the 1860s when our, our good friend, the, the general from the United States, came in and said, open up the borders. And we, then we forced Tom him. Cruise? No. Uh, his name is, oh, God, you're going to make me do. Uh, I remember because it was, it's Perry. General Perry. I remember in my head, I did a mnemonic in my head of Matthew Perry from Friends. And I'm like, and so imagine Chandler would be like, how could, could this border be any more close? Like, that's what I did to remember that it was <laughs> General Perry who forced the country of Japan to open. So yes, now you got me to do it. This is how I did well in school. I did mnemonics. Mm -hmm. So uh, basically speaking, that opened up the borders and that kind of effectively ended the Edo period and went to a different period at that time. But, you know, it's, it's a really cool thing because... It showed this, this episode, these episodes a lot of times took their time. So what I preach about Samurai Champloo is that it, it, it's not like normal anime where like stuff, it like a problem happens. Then you get the, the mid card that like explains the show. Like it's not like full metal alchemist, full metal alchemist. And then like it get resolved. It's, mm -hmm. it takes its time. They're walking a lot. So they just took their time. They made a, a point to like enjoy the aesthetic of the period so that people right. can really appreciate that. And I, I thought the, that artwork really of the, TV, the artwork of the show is really, really beautiful and, oh, and really yeah. detailed. And there's just something that seems that it is absolutely an illustrated piece of art. It is, it is a cartoon, but right. it feels decidedly not cartoonish. Right. Exactly. And I think, for most people who watch anime, they understand Dragon Ball Z and everybody going like, <laughs> and like shooting their hair, getting big. And like, yeah. after those lasting like four weeks, just for people powering up to this is like slow, chill, cool. There's breaks going like, and like that kind of stuff. And that, right. that kind of stuff made it kind of cool. And I, I remember really appreciating that because like, 
as I told you, I watched this in college, so it wasn't as it wasn't as interesting to watch Dragon Ball Z. It could have come out yesterday, though. Yeah, it really could have, and and yeah, and the art is really fantastic on on this show. So, uh, but I think more than anything, and I don't know if you want to jump ahead to this, the yeah. art is fantastic, but the music just lays a vibe on it that is really something else. I just want to, because uh, I when I wrote our show notes today, I wrote a thing section that said "dat music dough," because I think you know before we get into like the music as as it pertains to uh as it pertains to how like the show had me for music i first want to talk about how the idea of hip-hop plays in the idea of samurai right because i think it's important to acknowledge that this show is pretty period uh period uh correct in like terms of what was happening at the time but at the same time people are beatboxing there's you know mugen is breakdancing so in your in your case as a person who's watched this for the first time did that work right did the it did, did because it? honestly, it felt pretty seamless. Right. It, it, it felt like it fit. Now, obviously, if someone says to me, can you point out the thing that doesn't belong here, I could probably point it out. But the flow, no, no pun intended, the flow was so good that I was just like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to be. Right, yeah, you're like, there's no reason why they wouldn't have eyebrow piercings in the, <laughs> in the Edo period of Japan, right? Like, it's, it's really, as you, I agree with you, it is a very seamless show in terms of integrating that idea of, of hip-hop. So just to give you a background, you're probably wondering why is this thing called Samurai Shampoo? You're probably, I probably answered and you're like, Samurai Shampoo, what is that? And uh, <laughs> no, but uh, Shampoo. Well, that, so, so when we, aforementioned anachronisms, is, so that's what you're talking about. You're talking about the eyebrow piercing, you're talking about the use of hip hop music, uh, break dancing. Right. Uh, what? What were there other ones that? Uh... I would say there's several. Uh, you know, like I think for for most people, it's like they make the some of the history pieces like connected to their story. Like Fu, mm-hmm. because of her being nude for an ukiyo-e painting, was started the inspired Van Gogh. Right? <laughs> inspired Van Gogh. Like, <laughs> yeah, that that's anachronistic. An anime character that some guy made up in twenty. 20- yeah. You know, 2004 did not By the way, by the way, that entire episode works without that 30-second thing. It it just, it was kind of like a self-filating moment for the show to be like, oh, yes, the Japanese-inspired Van Gogh. And you're like, "Uh, you you need that for the rest of the show to play out. It's like, it's like when you, you know, one of our favorite movies out there, uh, Kickboxer, where uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is, has to explain for 30 seconds. You do it better than I do, but, like, how, why he has an accent, and his brother's got, like, a, a New York accent. Yeah, right. When, <laughs> when, when mommy took you and daddy took me to Belgium, and you're like, oh, oh, so that's how we're explaining away two brothers who have nothing in common from looks to their voice. Okay. I, yeah. I'll allow it. <laughs> it's true. It's basically nothing more than... Uh, you know, Van Gogh exists because Fu showed her boobies at some point. So can, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome, Van Gogh. Uh, so uh, I think for me, yeah, the, this, it's, the hip hop is seamless. I think the manner, so this can kind of lead into like the actual music, is that Samar Champloo was cool because it, it, it was t- uh, the music was taken from a very specific artist who popularized what is now known as lo-fi hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to give you an idea, his name is Nujabes, and that's just his name, Seba June, spelled backwards. So uh, Nujabes inspired this idea of lo-fi hip-hop, which was take a very basic slow beat. So like, it's like, what do they call it? Um, boots and pants, like boots and pants and 
<laughs> the boots and pants beat they call it and then you take it and then over that you put in old-fashioned jazz mm. old-fashioned samples from like singers from the 50s 40s and 50s and then you just repeat it it's it's not dynamic at all it right. doesn't have verses and chorus generally it's just you just sit in it just kind of like a nice river that you now when you assigned this to me you specifically called out you said hey listen to some new jabes uh mm -hmm. you know just go find a few things listen to yep. 15 minutes of it and check yep. it out and i did and i was actually looking to some of the comments and someone wrote something that like really struck me now i don't think that this works if you live in certain areas but if you've ever lived in new york if you've ever lived in chicago if you've ever lived in a major city where like commuting and walking as a part of your day not like drive to a parking lot and go walk into your job nothing wrong with that but nujabes and lo-fi is sort of like the soundtrack of your life like you can imagine having your headphones on and walking through new york city or walking through austin or walking through miami or whatever and just everything's going on around you and there's no sound associated with it but you're hearing boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants <laughs> yeah it was no it was it was incredible like, i could go to sleep to right. it i study to it i go to work to new job A's. new job A's is still a part of my that's that's how like influential is i still r.i.p by the way r.i.p no just what like damn, take it from us way too soon but yeah. also you know what i really respect the new job A's. new job A's didn't take the blackness out of it either he invited all local, um, you know, all American black artists that were like, you know, really good rappers at the time that like weren't getting like a real leg up to, and he brought them over and he had them rap on it. So he's like, if I'm going to have rappers on it, they're going to be Japanese or they're going to be black. And I'm not removing that from the equation. And right. nowadays, and I, and I think fitting the zeitgeist, like, and I know this is, this is not a music podcast, but I think it's just important to say like why it resonates with people so much is just like you said, it's the soundtrack of your life because I feel like Gen Z Zoomers out there and mm -hmm. millennials are so stressed out and everything's going so fast and it's coming at you full speed mm -hmm. that like a lot of music's very like, it's like, listen, it's like taking like a Benzie and just going to sleep. Like that's right. why Post Malone is so famous, right? Like Post Malone is like slow and depressing. It's people need some music to actually be more slow and slow things down and chill because our lives are just so hectic. So I think now more than ever, new job is more appreciated because he inspired that idea of the slower, less dynamic piece. So. I'll give you new job but I don't need post Malone's <laughs> poor Nirvana impression on my radio. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's gone a little bit weirdly on like the pop side and I don't know how to take it. Cause it's weird to like think that like a pop star can have tattoos under his eyelids and like, a grill the, and like he does the only thing is there's a he i forget the name of the song but um circles and it's terrible <laughs> was that the one where he says it was just the sex though sex though i don't remember yes, if that's yes, i think so i think he's in that but my wife and i sit in the car and when it comes on we think like he's saying sex boat so we're like driving <laughs> like on a three-hour car it's ride they're like oh yeah yeah we're gonna have our parents over this weekend oh yeah Oh, yeah, should we invite our brother? Yeah, yeah. Sex boat! Sex boat! <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's saying, uh, talk about the Montreal Expos. Expos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It could be anything. He could be saying. Yeah. So, <laughs> by the way, so, so Nujabe's just acts like this really fantastic yeah. background mm -hmm. that they splash their story across. Yeah. And so it was... Uh, 
it just it just gave it a cool vibe, man. It gave it a cool, it vibe. A cool vibe. So I'll I'm gonna give you some really uh, some song moments that really stuck to me. Like one was um, the music when um, I think his name was um, Oni Kawada, who was like the ugly guy who like yes. like who because she paid attention. Like so he's like I think it was episode two when he died and he finally found that someone like appreciated him and like the fireflies flew by mm-hmm. and then Silver Morning was playing in the background. Yeah. I remember just being like, that's rad barely anything is happening. A guy is dying with his eyes slowly closing. Fireflies are flowing over his face. And this like beautiful, like, like just like soft, like is playing. And I wouldn't see that in other anime. Like if it was a normal anime that you see out there, someone would be like, I'll never leave you. And it's like, and like, it would like go, it like pan out until like feathers would fly out in the side. And then like soaring. Orchestra would, that's too big for the moment would come yeah, in. And it'd be like, no! <laughs> and it would be, it would be so much bigger because it's, cause they want you to like emphatically be like, ah! Right. Ah! So. Um, I think, I think the, the key to even the violence, because yeah. there's copious amounts of violence, but I think the word to describe Samurai Shampoo's style to everything is understated. Right. Everything is just, cool yeah like yeah. like as you said and i don't want to bring up kurosawa because i know you're gonna sing one week when i do but it's very kurosawa where like he makes violence happens film. everybody stops and then the blood goes all over the place like he, he, you can right. see like he also takes like a lot of like different cues from like kurosawa movies mm-hmm. and like that very cool essence like as you said the violence is very subdued so it's not like yep. stylized in any way shape or form yep. Um, but, but let's get to also like the dynamics between the characters as well, because back to the show, um, what you'll notice is that Mugen and Jin are very perfect, like dichotomous roles for each other. So Mugen is always represented as red and he's always represented with fire Mm -hmm. and generally with, uh, roosters because weirdly enough, like roosters are associated with fire as well. So Jin is always wearing blue. He's always wearing blue. He's associated with water and a lot of times associated with fish. So he's always like near water. He's always got fish themes next to him. Also, he, Mugen has like that big wilder hair, whereas uh, Jin, Jin is like back. back. He actually wears uh, glasses. Glasses, right. So think about that. It's like they're like, what they're trying to like point with this is that they're two different men that are very different in characteristics, but they can still respect each other. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a really, a really cool juxtaposition they had with that too, because I think uh, Mugen, as you would notice, because you mentioned a few lines that he had, yeah, can't read. That's another thing you'll learn. He's he's uh, what yeah. you'll learn later in the series is that he's actually born from like a pirate group, like back in the day, like from like an island part of uh, of like smaller islands. And, I know Japan is like, yeah on a series of islands, but like a smaller island area. He's like can't read. He's illiterate. A lot of his styles very flagrant and, and like vicious and wild and doesn't have really any skill to it but he's good at it mm-hmm. and then Jin is very he does like EI he's very quick and and uh, clean and everything's subdued he actually is a samurai he came comes from a famous dojo that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and so I thought I don't know I didn't I, didn't, I don't know if any of that stuff kind of uh, caught your attention as well uh, well the the red and the blue the hair the attitudes I got all that didn't get the fish in the rooster yeah uh but no, absolutely. And then you've got Fu, who's just sort of this always getting into trouble. Uh, uh, but they, they, well, here's another thing. As wild as Mugen is, as to how disciplined Jin is, they made a promise that they would help her on this quest. And 
honor still means right. everything. Right, exactly. And so if you're a wild man, your word is your bond. Right, exactly. So that so that this is kind of like the big thing that I was hoping that we could talk about is like how much Japanness do you think that you were able to pick up out of this? Because I feel like this show more than anything is very Japan. It's very okay. Japan. Like it's unabashedly Japan. And right. so I was just wondering, like, did you like take in like how the money, like what the money looked like? The coins were very funny. Did you? Oh, look, oh like, yeah. Those, so like, um, so the coins look like old, old school subway right. tokens where it's yep. just like a hole in the middle of it. Yeah. But that wasn't the money that even blew me away. Cause I've actually seen money like that, or I've seen subway tokens like that, but the more expensive money, I'm not going to call them dollars cause they weren't right. dollars and they were real. Yeah. They look like little oval gold bars. Yeah. 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 And then, or like you got to hear, you got to see like how the brothels look like that, that they basically put the women in like cages and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then like, also you got to notice like how um, art was portrayed. Like I love it. Like, cause I think what, where I want to lead to now is like your favorite moments from the show. One of my favorite moments was uh, Jin dressing up as a woman. And yeah. then the guy, it goes to the brothel so he can break out foo and, mm-hmm. and the, uh, you know, the Yakuza's, uh, you know, teacher. And he's like, play something for me, pretty lady. And he just like looks at him with that, that dumb gym face of it. And he's like, goes, blah, blah, blah. It just like, just gacks everybody after that. Like, I yeah. love that scene so yeah. much because how bad he played the, the guitar there. <laughs> and then he puts it down and explodes because there's grenades inside. I just thought that was so rad. A uh, couple things. One thing that they love to do in um, anime, this wasn't a favorite moment, but they love to make the characters eat with abandon as if they'll never be full and right. like in the first six episodes they do that like at least six times like right. one they actually start an episode with the equivalent of the nathan's hot dog eating contest right. they're eating eel and rice yeah uh but in there's always like skewers with big honking pieces of meat on it that they right. one bite i always get freaking hungry when i right. Right. I think the funny thing is they, no matter who, what protagonist you're going to be in anime, usually they're going to eat like a crazy person and eat more than any human should. I don't yeah. know. It's a weird trait. I think since Goku from Dragon Ball Z, every main character does that now. I just mm-hmm. think that's just a simple thing that happens. But like, also it goes with the Cowboy Bebop theme of like, these guys are so talented and very capable and stuff, but yet they will never have any money on them. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. So in terms of actual favorite moments, I'm going to give away, um, Spoiler alert. So we'll just label it here. Spoiler alert for the first six. Spoiler episodes. alert for episode four, which is tied to episode three. Good. Okay. Yeah. So episode three sees them travel to a new town mm-hmm. uh, that is run by this old Yakuza family. Right. But it's run in like a very, I don't want to say casual, but a very respectful way. Like actually taking it to mean that we're your gang, but we also support the community. Right. Kind of like how Pablo Escobar was a really bad guy, but he built hospitals with his Coke billions, you know? So, <laughs> so there's this n- new character who comes into town and he's just diabolical and evil through and through. And he wants to take out the old Yakuza gang, mm-hmm. either through politics, by force, yeah. by money, yeah. whatever it is. So one of the old family's bodyguards, you don't see this, but in the past he's left them and he goes to this new guy. Right. And you're just introduced to him as this sort of bad mofo. Like the, like the enforcer of the, the enforcer. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, so eventually this guy, through a series of events, hires uh, the new baddie, hires uh, Mugen, and, and this enforcer gets, like, really upset because he's supposed to be the enforcer. Um, but at the end, he he comes full circle and he realizes what he's done, that he left a family that, while they were a crime syndicate, they, they were a family and they really cared about the, the mm. townspeople. Yeah. There is the new person he went with was just terrible from the start so he turns on that guy to i think he kills him to 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 start it off oh yeah he just straight up guts him but he's asked to come back to the original family you've seen the error of your ways yeah and he says i will only join you when you know my honor has been restored and he ends up dying Mm -hmm. uh fighting mugen yeah um and he doesn't fight mugen because he's necessarily I know it's weird to say he's not fighting him because he's trying to kill him, but he's trying to fight him for his honor. Right. And he dies. So yep. he loses. Uh, but the character is redeemed. Mm-hmm. And I really dug that. And it didn't end with him like writhing in pain, but like sitting peacefully with his sword on his shoulder. While... Because he found peace. Right. And then with new Jabez, of course, that's that boots and pants in the background, just like making you feel all good about it. I love it. That's, and that's how a lot of uh, Samurai Shampoo episodes end. It doesn't end with, like these really crazy moments and ends with just quiet you know, sitting in it. And then you get to that like ending theme song, like, like <laughs> I, and I, and I also think like, just get like, like, just to be very clear, the opening theme gets me hyped every time. Mm-hmm. I love battle cry. I just think that that song's amazing. But um, one of my favorite moments, and I love bringing up this episode because I want to know what you thought about it was episode six where and i'm glad you went to episode six because i was like i wonder when he's gonna get to the dutch guy this episode (laughs) i didn't watch it in years and it was to kind of give you this idea that like each episode points out a really important part about japanese history Mm -hmm. in a different way so so that episode you want yeah sorry go ahead no so we bring it to episode six that's the one that starts with the nathan's hot dog eating contest right exactly and a stranger from out of town w- with a huge raid and as if I walked into Japan and yeah. started the contest and th- said I was Japanese. He, he, he wins. And immediately <laughs> after he wins, he like takes off his hat and he kind of like, uh, so a, a part of the contest was he won all the belongings people put yeah. in. So he got Jin and Mugen swords. Mm-hmm. So they're hanging out with this guy because right. they get their freaking swords back. Right. But I love that they're like, you talk kind of funny. You have blue eyes. Is that red hair? And he's like, no, no, no. I am from Japan. And I love it because you can hear like what a Japanese voice actor's impression of a foreigner would be. <laughs> so he's like very like, arigato. Nihonjin <laughs> 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 Like there's a lot of that. I love, I love when that happens. I love it. It's just like, a, it's like, yes, uh-huh. that's what we sound like. I love it, Japanese people. That's exactly what we sound like. And <laughs> even though we're Dutch, English, American, who cares? We all kind of have very strong R's and we're like, arigato. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like another important thing about that is I think each episode yeah. is an important piece from Edo. So the one episode you were talking about was about how the Yakuza at that mm-hmm. time was really more of a like, a community organization than it was a crime family, which is weird to think now, but that's what the mafia was too, was like, we take care of our own in an Italian community. Um, The sixth episode, uh, the the episode four with uh, Fu getting kidnapped, Mm -hmm. uh, where she was doing um, 
you know, she was doing the nude modeling yep. was to bring up ukiyo-e, which to us is like, oh my God, I, when I go to Japan, I'm going to pick up a, I'm going to get a poster of, of, of Yohokusai in that great wave of Kanagawa. Oh, it's so beautiful. But back then it was like close to like graphic novels. So it was mm-hmm. funny how like, then they were talking about like, look at this pop art, this smut that these young kids like nowadays, they don't like anything. But to us now in like the 22, you know, the 2000 right. millennium, we're like, oh my God, it's culture, <laughs> traditional. But back then it was like, look at this smut. And I thought that was cool to bring up like the ukiyo-e, which is like mm-hmm. a very important, Uh, art period but the number six episode i thought was really cool because it talked about the closures of japan and how they were for some weird reason uh the dutch were allowed to come to japan only to this one area this one small island off the coast of kyushu called Mm -hmm. dejima only this one area so they had exclusive rights to this southern port to go up and and trade clocks machinery Mm -hmm. most of the time it's for guns more than anything so that they could trade their they were supply the Japanese guns. Hey, right. They were they were supplying the the, shog, the shogunate, the the leadership mm-hmm. uh, guns, so that for wartime efforts and stuff like that. And it did kind of keep the peace because they'd had rifles, and that was better than samurai yeah. swords. Um, and so what we learned about the character who the, the, uh, the I'm I'm blanking uh, the Dutch character. Uh, he uh, is like, yeah, I'll take I'll I'll only give you back your swords and your belongings if you take me on a. Uh, um, a tour. A tour of Edo. And they're like, we have no idea what's going on. But Jin's like, I need my swords back. It's the soul of the samurai. And he's like nailing everybody to get out of the way. And I love it because it's exactly what I feel like a modern day weeb would be. It's like, oh my God, look, it's the Kaminarima man. And he's like, what? <laughs> and he's like, because like, obviously he, he's just like, he's slightly off, but then he just believes that's Japan. Like, Kaminari means lightning and Mon means like gate, but he kept saying man. And he's like, who's the Kaminari man? And he's like, I don't know. That's the wind man. And like, they just kind of like, were just like riffing on the fact that I was just like, said the wrong thing every time. It was just like, oh my God, this is Japan. (laughs) But but then, but then the show gets like hyper progressive for the Mm -hmm. age. So they go to a, what's the actual type of theater? Is it Kabuki theater? Yeah, yeah, they do go to a kabuki theater. Um, they go to a, a kabuki theater and something I would have guessed, but he sees, a wo- uh, the Dutchman sees a woman on stage and he falls in love and he says, I must see her. And in the back of my mind, I was like, wait, I seem to remember something about performers before the 1900s all around the world. And sure enough, he gets backstage and he finds out that it's a man because only men are allowed to perform even the female parts. Right. But then in a total twist of where this episode was going, he says, now that I know it's a man, I love it even more. Right. So he's a closeted homosexual who read about parts of Japan's culture and this one particular writer's work about male love. Right. And that's part of the reason why he wanted to be assigned to come to Japan was to right. see if it was somewhere where he might be accepted. Right. And look, for those out there who are squeamish or weird or whatever, get over it. Yeah. It's, it's, it was so he also well wasn't done. A and I he also wasn't a caricature of a gay man either. It wasn't like he was walking around like, oh boy, I'm just going to do this. Right, and which anime it. does. Yeah, which anime definitely does. Yeah, so, but it was, it was really quite touching and yeah. I didn't expect it to go there. I didn't even know why it was there, but I'm happy it was. Because they wanted to bring up a writer from the Edo period and how homosexuality was, was um, considered okay. Much like ancient Greece, it was considered okay. Much like in Sparta, it was considered very much okay. 
even though they brought up that, you know, Gabe wasn't okay in 300, it was very much encouraged in, in the actual Spartan period. So I think for me, it's really, really important because it showed like a really important historical piece, the closure, the, uh, I think it was called Saisekis, I think is what they called that, um, or Saikoku is what it's called, means closed country. Uh, but this is an important piece, and the reason why it's so memorable to me and why I got closure just from watching it recently. So this is a little bit of a tangent. Remember I told you, I had to watch pirated versions of this. Mm -hmm. Sorry. You know, I cuff me now. I, I watched a pirated version of Samurai Champloo. I made up for it by watching it legally here in the United States later. The, so when people pirate it, you have to have any random schmo off the street gets to, to translate it. Okay. So the ending scene where he's on the bridge uh, in, in, in Edo and he's saying, you know, one day I'll be accepted. He says, in the current episode, he says, one day my country, well, this country won't be so tight-assed about it. Mm -hmm. Makes sense, right? They're not going to be prude, not going to be prude. Right. When I watched it originally, it was such a shocker because the translator wrote, one day this country's going to open up its asshole to me. That's what it said. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And it stuck to me. I was like... <laughs> And then I remember then going now, now actually studying Japanese and actually live, having lived there and now actually seeing a real Japanese person translate it. It said, don't be so tight assed about it. I was like, Oh my God, that makes much more sense. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I'm like, you're telling me this guy's just like waiting for Japan's butthole to open. So he can just like get in there. Arigatou. Like he's going to do that. <laughs> Arigatou. Arigatou. It's like, it's like, the weird homosexual version of like Jack Nicholson in, in the shiny, like, here we get you. Um, so, <laughs> so I remember that, like I 20, you know, something like less than 20 years later, I got closure and found out what the real translation of what it was. Um, and I think what's also really cool is that this, and this, it was good that you got to six because six became a closure. It said, yeah. this is the Edo part of the series. I'd call it one set piece came to an end and then they move on to the next. And move on to what's known as the Nagasaki point. So um, I think the one thing that's interesting is that you, you know, the tale of like the sunflower samurai, the, the samurai smells of sunflowers. I remember the entire time you I was- remind me why she's looking for the samurai who smells like sunflower? Well, they don't tell you. I don't know how far you, how much you want to continue on. Oh, uh, don't tell me then. I'll get okay. to it. So, well, so I gonna... shouldn't know by the sixth episode. Okay. You will not know until like the second to last episode. Okay. But what's interesting is that like, it's such a very specific title. Like I know samurais are like, the fast lightning or like the, the blue tiger. This one's just like, this guy smells like flowers. And like, how are they going to do that? Like they're going to walk up and be like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I was imagining. Like I'm going to look for the samurai. Who's <laughs> <laughs> no, you smell like eel bowl. Were you at the, were you at that eating contest? Uh, so <laughs> it's, so I, yeah, I thought that was such an interesting way, like name a samurai I was like, this guy reeks of flowers. And, um, and, and as he said, it was good that he brought up the Dutch guy because sunflowers are from Europe, not actually from Japan. So I thought that was a really cool uh, way of doing it. But he uh, does mention that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And what's really crazy about Samurai Champloo is that the misadventures are really long. Like when you watch Cowboy Bebop, the main villain is introduced probably by episode four or five you you meet um vicious. you meet vicious like part of the way through and you're like this is the guy i'm gonna fear throughout the entire series right he's okay. the guy that they need to be to end this you don't really get that until like the second to last episode hmm. it's really like a lot of like the misadventures of 
of, uh, of Mugen and Jin and, and Fu. And what's crazy is like, they do a baseball game because it's taken around, around the time of the eight, mid 1800s. So like, yeah. like Japanese people get introduced to, because uh, the Europeans open up the country and now, uh, now baseball is being taught to them or Mugen learns how to read and like what comes with that. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really cool because like it, it still follows the, the, the friend's journey without getting too crazy about it. And I don't want to say it again because we did this with Cowboy Bebop, but it's very much like Firefly. It's that <laughs> like, yes, there's a, a mission, there's a goal, but really at the end of the day, it's like following these people and how they grow as people. Life is the journey or the journey is, what is it? Life's a journey, not a destination. Right, exactly. And I think that's the journey, man. So as you kind of go forward and watch this even more, I want you to just be like, be able to be like a nice new job base and just sit in the chair and just like enjoy the misadventures of these guys because it's not, it's not going to really have too much conflict between like main conflict happening until way later. And I thought yeah. that was really interesting as well. Um, I also want to share another memory that I had um, with that you won't at, remember at all, but I remember it stuck with me. You, you, me, and a, share, a, a, a friend of ours that we still hang out with now, that we still kind of meet with weekly. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to name him loudly, but he's yeah. the red-haired friend of ours. Uh, he, uh, we were all in the car, and I remember I was listening to Nujabes, but I also listened to a very specific Nujabes where they had Japanese rappers. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was listening to, because it was part of my playlist, it was my car, right? Because I'm the oldest one of all three of us. And uh, so I remember our mutual friend being like, this song stinks, and I got so <laughs> butthurt about it. And I was like, why? This is Japanese. I mean, you're not, it's, obviously you're not going to understand. He's, no, I don't like it because it's not good. And I remember like still not forgiving him still to this day. Because I'm like, it's just like, I, it, like it's like you're, you're uncultured swine. I know. This <laughs> you're stuff really good. swine. I really like this. So um, so I guess some, some final thoughts before, uh, you know, we move forward. Uh, what would you say... Uh, would you continue watching this show and why, or what are some things that you're hopefully looking yes. forward to? Like, it's just like we did Full Metal Alchemist. What are some mysteries you want to explore? What are some things you hope to discover when, while you finish this show? All right. So, I mean, I guess you've shown mostly in the multi-show episodes we've done, you give me stuff that I definitely don't need to continue with. Right. But yeah. in terms of like the deep dives, you just keep hitting me with the stuff that's worth revisiting right. time and time yeah. again which I cannot thank enough. Uh, in the beginning, I was kind of upset when I found out that um, Cowboy Bebop was only 26 episodes because I'm like, well, I kind of want to binge it. Well, now that I know that there's so many that I want to watch, I'm like, yes, give me your neat little 26 package yes, story. Seriously. I will digest it, enjoy it, and carry on. Because so one of these said, days, I'm going to introduce you, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce you to one piece and it's going to be like uh it's going to be a journey. I'm going to, I'm going to send you through a tunnel and I won't see you for six solid years. And then you'll be like, it was so long, but glorious. I loved it. Like that kind of stuff. But um, so, so I would absolutely watch it again. Things that I'm interested in. Uh, one of the first things I said to you is, are they, are Jin and Mugen ever going to actually become friendly and right. stop this underlying desiring to kill each other or I could totally envision and if I blow the ending for someone I apologize I know nothing I somehow at one point near the end see one of them dying mm-hmm. and the other one being over him saying you can't die I'm supposed to be the one that kills you right you no know, and and it's not because they actually want to kill him it's just that be, they become so intertwined in their relationship that they, they want to who's better right 
yeah, that they don't, you don't want to separate them. They don't want to be separated. They want that, but they also want that question to go on unanswered forever because they, you know, they do become friends. Uh, I, I'm moderately interested in who the sunflower samurai is. I really just kind of want to see the adventures and constantly see how they play with morality because they're, what they do is not legal most of the time. And they're not. But it's heroes. usually moral. Yeah. Well, they're not really heroes. Like, the only reason why, uh, you know, really, really reason why Mugen eventually saved Fu was because the the rival gang was in his way while he was trying to kill Jin. Like, that's the only reason why he ended up being the hero in the end. Like, these guys aren't necessarily, it's much like Cowboy Bebop. Like, they're, they're not heroes. They just mm -hmm. are going on a journey, and in whoever... Right, it, it counteracts with their morality, mm -hmm. they, they're going to get blown out of the way. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that. So what are some other things that you want to like uh, see when you watch Sh Samurai Champloo? <sighs> While you think about that, I forgot to like clarify what Champloo meant. So Samurai yeah. Champloo, the word Champloo is a kind of romanization of the word Champadu, which means to mix. So essentially this, this title is Samurai Remix. So I want to make sure that was put out there. There's that little hip hop. Right, exactly. It's the it, 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 Samurai Champloo. Right. I want to do that more during this episode. I wish I did. It was just like uh, kind of little breaks. I am, in, you've sort of uh, given us a little bit of insight into Mugen about being like son of pirates and mm -hmm. born yeah. off on this island. Uh, I know Jin comes, is very opposite, comes from a very proper dojo. Right, exactly. Uh, but I don't know anything beyond that. Right. Um, I just think that I have faith in this show. And what I mean by that is I have faith that they're going to entertain me no matter what stories they decide mm -hmm. to tell. Yeah. Also, and to bring this back, I might have mentioned this in an earlier episode. Um, if you ever go back and watch Star Trek Generations, again, I think I've mentioned this, but mm -hmm. they deal with issues 30 years ago that you never thought would be dealt mm -hmm. with. So... I just think that some of the issues that they've dealt with or some of the things from Japan's past that they've brought up are so interesting to go there because it'd be very easy to just write an anime that people throw fireballs at one another. Right. And like, you know, kids go, yeah. Right. But to create something that offers you that, but also requires thought uh, and intellectual energy is, um, is pretty cool. And I also think that that brings up a really good point to me because I think even the villains are fleshed out. Like, uh, even people that you're supposedly supposed to be, like, mad at or the people they... Oh, like the like, Enforcer. Like the Enforcer. He wasn't uh, even a lead. He's in right. two episodes of 26. So what's the percentage on that? I can't do math. But... You, you yet, asked the wrong person, Gary. You I cared so much about his story. Right. And then also you care about, like, for example, like, who is this assassin that they charge to, to kill them? Like... Mm -hmm. He's, he seemed like such a dunce, but then he also is like very, very, you know, are we going to see him again? Like, Wait, is that the assassin that tries to get in, has like a wild hogs moment with Jin in the uh, hot yeah. springs? Yes, almost a wild hogs moment. And then he brings him to this like bamboo field and they have this like amazing, like crouching tiger, hidden dragon sword fight. And that's another thing, like the While sword he's flirting thing, with him. Yes, like, before he was like, in some cases... Two two male fireflies get together, and you're like, oh boy. Yes, I'm the samurai who smells like wiener. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was that was low hanging fruit. 
so uh so yeah and i think also the thing is like this the sword fights are cool they don't end them too quickly like they they're really stylized and really cool so so yeah i hope that you eventually get to a point where you like just appreciate the like like we're pausing for a second to have this really cool artistic direction of like sword fight for a second right like we're gonna stop and we're gonna watch the water ripple it's like when we played um Uncharted. Uncharted, yes, and like you're just you stop for a second and you just look at how well the water is made. It's that kind of stuff here. Like, how cool is it to just sit and watch a shadow of Mugen sitting on a boat while Nujabe is playing at sunset? Like, you just love so one thing. I'm trying to give this, and it's not been hard, but I'm trying to give this experiment every honest effort. And what I mean by that is, as a society, we are distracted 100 mm-hmm. percent of the time. Right. You know, dating back to when when the movie Crash came out in 2005, one of our dear friends suggested that I watch it. And I was texting with a girlfriend on my phone the entire time. And he was so <laughs> furious that I didn't give the movie its proper due. Yes. But when I watch um, the anime that you've been assigning me, I put my phone in another room or I put it right. face down and I sit there and watch the television. Now, that might not that might not seem crazy like some people would be like yeah you sit there to watch tv but for our generation and certainly for younger than that yeah no you're supposed to watch tv be playing a game tiktoking and right, talking yeah. to someone else but i'm just trying to sit there and appreciate that detail i'm trying to appreciate the ripples in the water right yeah i i, I really appreciate you for giving it that that sense of like respect because that i mean because then you're kind of seeing it through my eyes as a weeb like with yeah. people who really love anime, they love it because it's a very personal thing, right? You take their stories, you take the characters, you take it personally. There's people who really would love for these people to be real in real life because yeah. you can. It, it's very good at you can very much put yourself in the place of these journeys and these heroes. And like when people are brave, you wish you were just that brave. And I think it, it does lead itself into a lot of like that kind of geek culture of like kind of vicariously living through these fantasy worlds. Anime does a fantastic job of it. But I think... Knowing that you've given it a good shot, I still also want you to give me a critical lens because I know for people that aren't like you who haven't like probably been experiencing a bunch of anime, maybe this is the first one you've watched. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are some barriers to entry to watching Samurai Shampoo? Well, you know, considering you just told me that the main bad guy doesn't come along until towards the very end, I mean... I wouldn't want to hop in after episode 10, but you could sort of peek your head in and enjoy an episode. Right. Um, a lot of them are linked. They do a lot of episodes that are like two at a time or to be continued. And um, Barrier to entry. Ooh, it was so good. So what would be a barrier? Would you, I mean, like, because this is one thing I was wondering, like, would you say it's to Japan for American audiences? And I, I'm more than likely to give, Western audience is more credit than there than a lot of people really give them. Like like when you watch Pokemon and they say like an onigiri is a jelly donut because we can't imagine a rice ball like that kind of thing. Like yeah. I'm willing to give American audiences more credit, but would you say that like it's Japanness like the amount of like kind of previous understanding of like? Well, I mean, if you want it to be like yeehaw American, yeah, it's not going to satisfy your desire. But this the history and the set pieces are Japanese, but the people and the, the personalities, it's Mm -hmm. humanity. Yeah. yeah. So I I think, I don't, it's also so good that I, I mean, I guess if someone didn't dig violence, because there's a really high level of violence. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if that's not for you, you know, and if someone who loves anime is like, I really like anime is about princesses. Well, yeah, it's not that you're not going to get that. Um, 
in terms of actual barriers though, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to just give things a pass, mm-hmm. but it was also, it was also good that I, I, I didn't really, I couldn't think of anything, um, that would maybe, maybe all, all the characters, they're, they're, like you said, they're not heroes. Mm-hmm. So maybe if someone wants to watch a show that actually has a hero, yeah, that's what they're going to find here. If they want their Superman, there is no Superman. Everything yeah. is questionable. It's very realistic, and there's not going to be a lot of, like, if you're into that shonen style, you're not going to get that here. Right. Okay, so then let's go end this uh, episode where we normally do, which is we give our Weebin Noob score. Once again, to repeat for those who have not watched the show previously or seen, if you heard it on our podcast, um, we give this score based on two different merits. One is for the Weeb score, which is my score. How would you rate it based on how important it would be to your overall digest of anime? Would you say that like, if you had limited shelf space in your library, would this fit on that shelf? For uh, a noob, just like we were just talking about before, are there barriers to entry? Is this something that like could turn you off pretty easily because there's just weird things that happen? For a new audience, like, would you give it uh, that score? So for me, I want to give this an 8.5. And I'm going to give it an 8.5, not like much higher, like, you know, Full Metal Alchemist. And because it does tend to drag a little bit, there are some episodes that get a little long in the tooth. There are some episodes that do get a little too slow. And for me personally, I love that. But for someone who might want something a little bit more dynamic, you know, say for like the four minute sword fights they have in the middle, you might not be into it. And like, there's some that are just silly. Like the baseball episode that you're going to end up watching is just silly. It's fun. It's comedy. And if you don't get that style of Japanese comedy, then it might not be for you. So I ultimately give it like, Definitely watch it if you're an anime fan. It's well worth it for the art direction and how Japanese it is, but also just know that you're in for a slower paced uh, show. So Garrett, what do you give it for your noob score? 9.75. Wow. So this is even higher than Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Wow. Go elaborate. This, so one thing I've learned over the past few years, so Kyle and I used to live together seven, eight years ago. Uh, and I wasn't into what I'm about to say then, but one thing I've started to really realize that just inspires me is I love Westerns. Mm, mm-hmm. And to me, this was like a Japanese set Western. Right. And same type of characters, same type of dilemmas, same type right. of questions. Uh, also, um, I'm very into, and I don't know anyone who'd say I hate music. There are people in the world who hate music, but um, Kyle and I and another friend flew to Chicago and we rented a car and we drove Route 66 out to Los Angeles. And I remember there were particular times when we were in the American Southwest in mm-hmm. Arizona and New Mexico and the sun was g- coming down and the sky was this explosive shade of purple. And the soundtrack in the car in those moments was really important to mm-hmm. set the vibe. There wasn't a whole lot of conversation. Often we're tired because of what's going on earlier in the day. And that music just, it has to be right and it has to speak to you. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack behind this is something that, I don't think a lot of other animes that I've watched nor that I'll come across in the future right. really can hold the torch to right? Uh, in terms of how they fit it. Um, I'm not going to be, I'm, I'm going to actually dial that back. I'm not going to give quarter points. I'm just going to say it's a nine and a half because I don't know if there'll ever be anything that's going to be a 10. Right. Um, but it was, it's just 
damn good storytelling. Really good storytelling. I, like you, appreciate the slow. Mm-hmm. There is, and I'm going to go on one more tangent. And yeah, then, sure, go for it. Um, there was a eight episode, eight or ten episode show on Netflix called Godless. And it starred Jeff Daniels and a few other people, and it was a Western. And there are numerous scenes where they do a wide shot of the characters riding horses across the plains. Mm -hmm. And, like, the camera is from, you know, a mile away. And all you see is a dust trail. But that combined with the music, and I'm just totally wrapped around its finger. So give me the slow pace if that slow pace keeps me engaged. Right, exactly. Um, I, and I agree with you. It's, this, this is not just a show about the storytelling. It's a, it's a show about the aesthetic. It's the show about the, 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 the culture. It's about the history. It's about all of it, all at once, and it mixes it in a really good kind mm-hmm. of mix of, of great stuff. So yeah. Um, so, yeah, pretty high scores. I was, I was worried that like, I was going to be like, yeah, it's really good. It's like an eight or a nine. And then like, you're going to be like, Kyle didn't get it. It's too Japanese. I'm going to give it a six. So I appreciate us giving it the same amount of respect. And that, you know, someone who's new, it wasn't as scary or hands-off as, as, as I thought it was going to be. So, as we close this episode, I still once again want to hear your thoughts. Is Samurai, Samurai Shampoo something that you watched when it first came out or something that you saw now in the streaming? Is it something that you appreciate for its aesthetic or is it something that you might be a little weirded out by? Did you like it for the comedy? Did you like it for the aesthetic? Did you like it for the cool sword fights? Please let us know in the comments below because we want to keep the conversation going. And not only that, we want to keep the conversation going on our Twitter, which our handle is weeb underscore noob, which you can uh, continue the conversation there. Or you can follow us at our uh, anchor uh, on our Spotify and many other ways that you can stream your podcast and as well as our YouTube page. But before we go, um, you know, I'm going to end it off by just saying, Garrett, thank you for joining me on this journey. And uh, we hope that you all enjoyed it as well uh, when we go back to Anime Boots again. So everybody have a fantastic week. Take care, y'all.